Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today, we are going to begin our journey in Lent. Lent. Lent is the five-week season, the first Sunday in Lent, the second, third, fourth, and fifth Sunday in Lent, which is followed by Holy Week, which concludes with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That resurrection day is Easter Day, as you all know. We celebrated Ash Wednesday last week during the week of last Epiphany, the last Sunday after the Epiphany, which we celebrated on Sunday. And in Ash Wednesday, we began to prepare ourselves for the coming of Lent and putting ourselves in an attitude of prayer and fasting and reflection before the Lord. Now, if you look at your scriptures for this coming week, we are looking at Deuteronomy 8, 9, 10, and 11, Hebrews 2 through 5, chapter 5, and we continue with the book of John. Now, we were in Deuteronomy last week, and in Hebrews, and in John, so we continue that process this coming week. So let's look at chapter 8. We begin with chapter 8 on Sunday. Verse 1, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath from your fathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would obey his commands. And then he goes on and on and on. As I said last week when we looked at Deuteronomy 6 and 7, observe the commands of the Lord your God in verse 6. Walk in his ways, revere him. When you're eaten and satisfied, you've eaten and been satisfied. Verse 10, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. And that's a habit we all want to have. As God continues to bless you and me on a daily basis, praise him, glorify him. Be careful that you do not forget him. Verse 11 of chapter 8. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. So we want to be grateful to the Lord. We want to praise the Lord. We do not want to say in verse 17, we do not want to say, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, who has given you the ability to produce wealth. If you ever forget him, verse 19, and you follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you surely will be destroyed. So we continue to follow the Lord. We love the Lord. We sacrifice ourselves for the Lord. We put the Lord first. We glorify him. We praise him. We thank him. Chapter 8. Chapter 9. Verse 4. After the Lord has driven out them out before you, so he's going to use Joshua to drive them out, to drive the nations out, so that the Israelites can take the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. Okay? 
chapter 9. Now he talks about the golden calf in chapter 9. Remember this and never forget, verse 7, how you provoke the Lord your God to anger in the desert. And then he goes on and he lists it. So it's a, um, the book of Deuteronomy is a wonderful exposition of a relationship between God and Israel, between God informing the Israelites of who he is and what he wants them to do, and also reminding them of the way he treated them and the way they, the Israelites, treated God. And he constantly has this interplay between and in their relationship between what he wants to tell them in terms of what they need to do and the way they've acted in the past that has upended what he has said and the consequences gained therein. Okay, so we go to chapter 10, 12 to 22. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God? We're back to that again. Walk in his ways, love him, serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Observe the Lord's commands and creeds that I'm giving you today for your own good. End of verse 13. For your own good. This is going to help you. This is going to be positive for you. This is going to be produce fruit in your life. You're going to be a happy, more joyful person. You're going to have more peace. You're going to have more joy. You're going to have more hope. To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. So what he's doing there is he's glorifying the Lord, he's magnifying the Lord, he's lifting the Lord up, he is praising the Lord. This is in chapter 10, verse uh, 14. He's glorifying him. He says, circumcise your hearts. Do not be stiff-necked any longer. Fear the Lord your God, verse 20, and serve him. Hold fast to him and take oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God. He's performed all these awesome wonders. Magnify him. Put him first. Glorify him. Chapter 11, 18 through 28. Again, as you're reading the daily lectionary, as you read these verses, these chapters, Deuteronomy, Hebrews, John, in that one day period, and the next day you read the next, the next day, you know, you're praying. You're asking God, what are you saying to me? How do you want me to live? What do I need to work on? What sins do I need to confess? Am I doing what you're asking me to do? 18 to 28, he says, fix these words of mine in your hearts. Whatever you got to do to learn this information, do it. Fix them in your hearts and your minds. Tie them as symbols of your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the Lord the God, your God swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. See, I'm setting before you, verse 26, a blessing and a curse. Okay, what's the blessing? The blessing, verse 27, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. Can you imagine what God wants? Obey the commands. But, verse 28, it's a curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way 
that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. Don't follow those other gods. Follow the Lord. Do what he says. You will be blessed. I do not want you to be cursed. Know what the commands are. Do the commands of God. When you don't do what the commands of God are, ask God for forgiveness. Okay, let's look at Hebrews now. Turn to Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. We do not know who the writer of Hebrews is, but we know it's a very, very smart person because he's sharing with the community of Jewish Christians the greatness of Jesus and the magnanimity of Jesus and how much better he is than any of the Old Testament persons. Their importance was there, but not compared to Christ, as I said to you last week. Chapter 2, 11 through 18. Chapter 2, 11 to 18. Let's look at verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, Jesus' death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. By Jesus' death on the cross for us, one of the things that happened is that he destroyed the person who has the power of death, and that is the devil. In verse 18, he says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus' humanity is very, very important. There's always a very strong view about his divinity in terms of what he could do as God. But his humanity is very significant, and we can all understand what his humanity is because that's very much indigenous to who we are. But Jesus' humanity is such that he was tempted just like we are. So he understands the temptation that you and I go through. Chapter 3, Therefore, holy brothers who share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. That's what I've been saying about Hebrews. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. Okay? Jesus, verse 3, has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house is greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses is a great person. He's a great person in the scriptures. No question about it. But God in Christ is greater. Jesus Christ, our Messiah, is greater. He is more significant. He is more powerful. He is greater than Moses is. And so pursue Jesus, take Jesus very seriously. He says in verse 12 of chapter 3, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the Lord your God, but encourage each other daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Chapter 3, 12 to 19. Uh, and again, he's continuing to show us the importance of Moses and the importance of and the significance of Christ as compared to Moses. And he recounts to them some Old Testament uh, material uh, regarding Moses. Now, when you read Hebrews, for those of you that want a deeper knowledge of Hebrews, it assumes that you have a great knowledge of the Old Testament because obviously he's making many references to the Old Testament so that 
the comparisons between the Old Testament traditions and persons and prophecies and uh, actions of God in the Old Testament as compared to Christ. He's trying to establish those are all good, but they are forerunners to Christ. Chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. The word of God is important. What you are doing on a weekly basis or daily basis in reading these scriptures is very, very, very important. And the word of God penetrates. It judges our thoughts and attitudes. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to whom we must give account. You want the word of God to pierce deeply into your soul. You want it to be pierced deeply all the way into the core of your being and have that word go straight in there to reprove you, to encourage you, to correct you, to discipline you, to comfort you, all kinds of things, all kinds of beautiful things. Hebrews reminds us of the importance of the word of God. Therefore, verse 14, chapter 4, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, here's the key, no sin, without sin. Jesus never sinned. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. I encourage that for all of us. Yes, you may approach the throne of grace. Yes, do it with confidence. So that, purpose, Colossus, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the power of God, the forgiveness of God, the hope of God. Go to the throne of grace. Have confidence. Receive mercy. The Lord will help you. The Lord will be with you. Finally, Hebrews chapter 5, 1 through 10, he talks about the high priest. And now we're back to Aaron. We're back to Melchizedek. And again, Jesus is greater than Aaron. Jesus is greater than any high priest. Although he was a son, verse 8, he learned obedience from what he suffered, back to the suffering uh, in his life. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. All who obey Jesus, there's eternal salvation. And so again, Aaron's wonderful. The high priesthood's wonderful. Jesus is greater. Jesus actually provides eternal salvation. Enjoy Hebrews this coming week as we look into the week of first Lent. In John, we continue our journey through John. We looked at chapter 1 last week when we looked at the prologue in the life of John the Baptist. They wanted to know if he was the Christ or not. He said, no, no, I'm not the Christ. The calling of the disciples, come and see. So we're in this Lenten season. Let's see about Jesus. Let's encounter Jesus. Let's be with Jesus. This is why the Deuteronomy uh, chapters are very good because they're encouraging us to fear the Lord, love the Lord, follow the Lord. The Hebrew, fix your eyes on Jesus, put Jesus first. Jesus is greater than them all. John, we have the changing water to the wine, and Mary says to the servants, 
Chapter 5, it would be good news for all of us. Do whatever he tells you. Whatever Jesus does, whatever he says, do it. Follow him. Watch him. Emulate him. Imitate him. Do whatever he tells you. He clears the temple in chapter 2. He clears the temple. And then he, in chapter 3, we have the very famous Nicodemus. Comes to him at night. Jesus enigmatically responds in verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless a person is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a person is born of water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Can't enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must be born. And again, what that means is you must be born from above, meaning your spiritual birth, your salvation is not an act of yours. It is impossible for us to save ourselves. It has to come from outside of ourselves. And that supernatural action is what God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity do in your life and my life. They save us outside of ourselves. It's a supernatural event from God. And so we have the wonderful third chapter. And of course, I can't help but say, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him, verse 18, is not condemned, but whoever does not stands condemned already because he hasn't believed in the name of God's one and only son. It is crucial to believe in Jesus. According to Jesus, it's crucial to believe in Jesus. Light has come into the world, he says. This is the verdict. People love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So I pray for all of my audience. Pray for all of you that listen or watch, that you come into the light, that you are in the light, that you are seeking Christ, that you are born again, that you were born above, that you are not condemned, but that you believe in God's one and only Son and that you are following Christ. And at the end of chapter 3, John the Baptist says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. The wrath of God is real, brothers and sisters. It is a real thing, and it's real concerning our sins. Christ Jesus died for our sins and took upon himself on that cross our sins and gave us his righteousness, imputed his righteousness to us so that when I stand before him, I am not guilty. I love verse 30 of chapter 3. He must become greater. I must become less. Exalt Jesus. Reduce yourself. Contrite, lowly humility. And in chapter 4, 1 through 26, we have Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. I love verse 10. If you knew the grace of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. They were talking about water at the well and drinking. And Jesus went beyond that. He went beyond physical, what Nicodemus was tied in, the physical. How can I be born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb. The Samaritan woman, what kind of drink are you talking about? 
Well, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in him or her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He was talking about something that was supernatural. He was talking about something that was greater than what they were could imagine. They were talking about the physical. He was talking about the spiritual, using the physical as a metaphor, as a tool to say what the truth was. Enjoy it. God is spirit, verse 24. His spirit, his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is not, does not have flesh and blood. He is a spirit. You cannot see him, but he's there. He's present. In your journey in Lent, we begin very well with this week of first Lent with Deuteronomy, beautiful chapters in 8, 9, 10, and 11. Hebrews, as Jesus, he, the writer reminds us how great Jesus is, and of course, Jesus himself in the wonderful book of John, chapters 2, 3, and 4. Look forward to seeing you next week as we'll look at Second Lent. I'll be praying for all of you as we journey with Jesus in preparation for his death, burial, and resurrection. God bless you and have a holy, holy Lent. See you next time.